listeners, writers, panel listeners, thank you as ever for listening, and Happy New Year. Um, a couple of things before we get started. The first is this. Uh, we need help. The Nurse Writers Panel uh, needs your help to stay free to download by completing a short anonymous survey. It'll take no more than five minutes, and your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of our podcast and its listeners like you. Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We promise not to share or sell your email address, and we won't send you email unless you win. Please go to podsurvey.com slash riders. That's podsurvey, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash writers to take our survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Uh, I appreciate you helping me and Nerdist out with that. Secondly, um, I need your help uh, for a project related to the Nerdist Writers Panel. Uh, I'm looking for listeners who have the time and inclination to transcribe some episodes for me. Um, I put this out on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. And a bunch of you responded, and I really appreciate it. There is no compensation for this other than my eternal gratitude. Uh, You'd really be helping me out uh, a great deal and uh, I'd really appreciate it. If you have time and can help transcribing an episode or two or three or ten, uh, send me an email at nerdistwriters at gmail.com. Uh, that's nerdistwriters at gmail.com. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you for that. And finally, as uh, I, I talked about in last couple of last year's podcast, we are going down to a once-weekly uh, release schedule. Sometimes this will be a writer's panel, sometimes this will be a writer's panel comics edition, uh, but you're going to get a podcast every week. Uh, There are a bunch of awesome ones lined up for the next couple months, uh, so I think you're going to enjoy those. But uh, just don't be surprised if you are a regular Nerdist Writer's Panel listener and a comics panel pops up in your feed, or vice versa. And and give it a chance. Uh, If you only listen to one and not the other, give the other a chance. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and finally, please, um, one more small favor, go on to iTunes and leave a review. I like to know what we're doing right here, uh, and so we can keep doing those things. Thank you very much, uh, as ever, and uh, enjoy the podcast. It's a fun one. Now entering Nerdist.com. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel series, Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, and let me know who you'd like to see on this series. I'm always looking for new ideas for TV show, movies, books, comics, anyone you like who writes things. Do me a favor, though, and check the archive to see if we've already had that person on whom you would like to hear from. Uh, I am a television writer. I've written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and I'm currently on the Netflix uh, DreamWorks show Puss in Boots. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage production in the style of old-time radio, which is a weekly podcast here on the Nerdist Network. For more information, visit thrillingadventurehour.com. All right, here's the song, then Lila Gerstein. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. Wait, did you... Did you guys have Autumn Reeser on the show? Yes. I thought, yes. Uh, she. I work with her all the time. She does my stage show. Oh, really? For seven years. Oh, my! I uh, love her. All right. I she mean, the best. I wrote on the sea. Yes. She is like my... Were you on the last season? Yeah. Yeah. She's she was like, so she was like our. She saved our lives. We wanted to write for uh, 
Taylor Townsend. That was the impression that I got. Listen, we're we're doing it. This is it. That was oh. the impression that I got. Uh, hi. 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 <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Um, just from talking to people who have written on the show, that yeah. it was like season one, everybody came in and was like raring to go, and then and like uh, you know like. Things took its toll, whether it was actors or production or whatever, figuring out the show or finding the limitations of these characters. And then season four, and this was as a viewer, too, was like this shot of energy. Yeah. uh, In large part because of Autumn. Absolutely. I mean, I got there season three, Mm -hmm. so it was... (laughs) It was dark. It was a really dark season. It was kind of depressing. And then... Oh, Taylor Townsend, we were like, yay, and she brought light and life and humor back into the show. Yeah, it was the humor that was like, it had become this real deep soap, and uh, it it needed to be lightened up again. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Was that, what were you coming off of? Was that, that must have been one of your first Yeah, that was my second gig. No kidding. What were you coming off of? Uh, The show called Life As We Know It. Which was a great show. It was a great show. Yeah. It was a great short-lived, I loved, I mean... I thought that show was going to go like a hundred years because <laughs> we loved it so much, and it was my first show, and I was like, "This is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of television." Um, but, <laughs> and then it didn't. <laughs> that is TV. Yes, well, that really is. Who yeah. uh, who created that show? Who were you working with? Uh, Gabe Saxon, Jeff Judah. Oh, who that's were right. They were geniuses. and they were right off of Freaks and Geeks. Right off of Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. I think it was the year or two years after Freaks and Geeks. That's they were right. yeah. Um, so how did you wind up there? Let's, you know, we'll talk about Heart of Dixie. Sure. We'll get into that stuff. We'll talk sure. about how it started. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, let's talk about how you got your start. Uh, sure. how did you wind up on that show? What were you, where were you coming from? You must have been a kid. I was like 10 years old. <laughs> right. I was a They child. wanted a youth voice. <laughs> they wanted the voice of the sixth grader. <laughs> and so, uh, I was, you know, the, uh, I had been a playwright in New York, and I came out here, like, all conceited that everyone's going to hire me, because, hello, I've had to be brilliant plays produced. Um, but, but it took, you know, it took a little while, and quite a while. Like, I, I think I, you know, I was substitute teaching. I had all mm-hmm. sorts of jobs that I really hated, and, um, uh, and I got a, I did... I did uh, this night of writers writing like personal essays, and uh, for my friend Eric Friedman. And that the night that I read my essay, there happened to be executives from Oxygen there, and hmm. uh, my essay it was su- it was very crazy. It was it was a personal essay about how like in my dark days in New York City, I became obsessed with the Mets and with the <laughs> particular third baseman Robin Ventura mm-hmm. and. That I kind of like had this fake relationship with Robin Ventura. Oh that was my, my God. that was my That's story. <laughs> that was my story. So <laughs> I'm not going to uh, ask any follow up questions no. about that. <laughs> but it was, I guess it was, it was unique. Uh, that, and so they hired me, and so I got my first. I got to quit being uh, <laughs> being a substitute teacher, right. and I got to make some money. And so I did that, and I got a manager and mm-hmm. an agent from that. Um, and so I went out staffing so the first year of staffing season. I had one meeting, and it was, wow. was with Jeff and Gabe. And um, their show that I met on did not get picked up. Uh, but a year later, it was an, they had another show, and like they remembered me, 
and they That's hired awesome. me, and it was amazing. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, it's funny, though, like you were kind of in the situation where a lot of beginning writers find yourself, where like, yeah. I've got a manager, and I've got an agent, yeah. and I'm in staffing season. Maybe it's only one meeting, but I'm sure you were hearing about, oh, these guys read you, yeah. they passed, whatever, but like, it's, it's an exciting time. Yes. And then you find yourself... Yeah. And it was this great meeting, too. And I was like, this is the greatest meeting I ever had. And my agent was like, this is the greatest meeting you ever had. And then the show didn't get picked up. Every time. (laughs) Every time. Yeah. I've had more of those. Yeah. Oh, my God. So frustrating. It's so frustrating. So. But then you've got a year between then. Yes. Which was your only staffing meeting. And their other show picking up. And luckily, they did remember you. Yes. But what happened in that year? Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. Yeah. I. It's like, I, uh, I think I wrote, I wrote a TV movie. I mean, I kept mm-hmm. writing for Oxygen. I wrote a, oh, that's good. a TV movie, two couple of TV movies. And I, I think I did, I think I did that. I, it's a dark time. I don't know. <laughs> it was you, uh, this is sort of, I mean, and, and I, I would ask you to be honest about this cause I'm genuinely curious and we can cut it out, but, yeah. um, you're writing those TV movies, and like obviously that's not why you came here. It's not what you wanted yes. to do. How did you approach those? Oh, it was like, even like it was it was really dark time. It was not even a TV movie. It was a TV movie based on a Harlequin Blaze. Oh my God, romance novel. <laughs> and I, okay. I haven't written a thing. It's aired. It, it was shot and mm-hmm. filmed, and I didn't write a single word. Of what it, the movie, actual movie oh, is. Oh, no kidding. And I got invited, and I didn't know I'd been rewritten by the director, and I mm-hmm. got invited to the table read. And I showed up at this table read. You, you guys quit this, and I don't care. But uh, I showed up at the table read. <laughs> it was a long read. time ago. It was, I was, it was 10 years ago. I showed up at the table read, and nothing. Like, everyone's name was the same, oh but there God. was nothing that I had written in there. It was completely different. And I, I like, almost threw up. I sat there. I sat there. It's like, please don't throw up. Please don't throw up. Please don't cry. Please don't cry. Um, oh, my God. Please don't cry. What and, an insane feeling. This may seem like a strange question, but how does this not put you off of the business, you know? I, I didn't have a backup plan because it would have. Mm. But I really, here's what I hated, substitute teaching. <laughs> uh, I absolutely understand. I have done it myself. And I had been a playwright in New York, and here's what I didn't make, money. So mm-hmm. it, it, I didn't have a backup plan. I was like, this is, I have to do this. And, you know, I had had a couple of friends who had made it and succeeded. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw, it was so close. Like, I saw it happening yeah. for other people. You saw it was um, possible. I saw it was possible. <laughs> Um, you know, and I was young and stupid, and I think that that's part of you have to just take the leap. I, I, I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's also something to you know, and this comes up a lot on the panels that yeah. like, if you want to do this for a living, you have to do it. You have to do it. My mom called like every week, and she was like, "You know who went to law school? <laughs> oh you know who's given up acting and decided to go to law school? You know." <laughs> What is such a great thing for your brain? Law school, like. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, where Where do you come from? How? Tell me about your background. I come from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, in the city of New York. Oh, thank you for specifying. <laughs> uh, I, I went to uh, uh, public school, but I went to this magnet school called Hunter, okay. uh, where one of my best friends from. Uh, Hunter is Adam Horowitz, who 
who is an awesome TV writer, which mm-hmm. is how he was like the first person that I had heard of to make money. So he is like part of why I ended up here is he was like really supportive. And I was like, scoop was what we called him. Scoop can do it. I can do it. Uh, so I came out here and then we actually ended up working together. We had offices next door at Life As We Know It. Just I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, were you always a writer? No. Really? So when did this start to take place? What was what were you into as a youth, and when did you start to you know, um, get into movies, TVs, plays? I was I went to Cornell pre vet, so I was really? into animals, and I wanted to be a veterinarian. That's my whole really life. funny. Yeah, my whole life. Listen, you're from the city. You don't know from animals. Correct. <laughs> correct, which is why I am not a veterinarian. Amazing. Uh, correct. And at Cornell, to be a vet, well, the way I did it was I was in the agricultural college, mm-hmm. um, and I was an animal studies major, which included farm chores. So every other <sighs> Saturday, I think, I had to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to this farm like that was all the way, very, very far away across campus, and like wade in pig shit and mm-hmm. uh one day the pigs I, I thought i was so excited to be with the pigs the pigs ate the sneakers off my feet <laughs> what yeah they ate the shoes off my feet i was, pigs. it was crazy it was really crazy and i would come back and i would smell so gross and like be covered in feces because i was always like falling down oh and it was so God. disgusting my roommate hated me <laughs> which I, you know i don't blame her sure. and, um, like our room kind of smelled we had this tiny room oh, it was very smelly no. um but also you know i loved animals i wanted to be a veterinarian but i was always a very creative kid like i was always doing shows and i, I did a theater in high school and i, I you know mm-hmm. i had a lot of outlets for my creativity but when you're pre-vet in college that's all you do right. you take chemistry you take organic chemistry you take animal Sciences, you don't get electives. Yeah, you (laughs) you clean up after pigs. And I was watching a lot of my friends. Like the class that I was really the most jealous of was Psych 101. I was like, wow, Psych 101 (laughs) seems amazing. Everyone's had this big lecture and they learned about crazy psychological disorders. And that I I was, I, so. Anyway, I I lasted a year and a half pre-vet, and then... That's a long time to do something you're time. not enjoying. I also was doing terribly, like, I... Oh, no. Yeah, because, because I was... I had done... I had gone to Cornell, because it was the opposite of Hunter mm-hmm. to me, because it was Hunter's tiny, and it was really um, alternative, and, mm-hmm. you know, we all... We didn't even have to go to class, I feel like. We were all just hanging out, and they just let us, like, be free thinkers. And and after you start in seventh grade, so after six years of that small, small school, sure. and uh, I wanted the opposite. I wanted to go to school with, like, a football team. Right. And, you know, I grew up in New York City. That seemed like the, the most... The strangest thing in the world to like go to a football game, and so you know, funny. I joined a sorority, and I was, and that all like that was like a all, all a very small phase. <laughs> I was like trying all these different things, and you know, I but by I have uh, known you for five minutes, and this all seems incredibly out of character. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because then I became well, then I left the sorority, became women's studies major, and like so, uh, uh, oh yeah. 
Yeah, I, tr- I tried all through. I went to a lot of fraternity parties. Like I said, I was always drunk almost all freshman year. <laughs> sure. And I would like show up to these classes, and it, I was very. It was bad. Anyway, sophomore year, we had to dissect a sheep. That was oh. the thing, and the sheep was alive before class. Oh and no! And then they brought it into us, and it wasn't alive anymore. But it was still like big yeah. and warm, and. Um, and I and I I had to leave the room because I got I got because you're a human being. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but these I mean I was in a room of animal lovers and right. I like I I could and but they were a lot of them were farmer animal lovers mm-hmm. and they were used to this sure. and I was not used to this anyway. Oh my I, god! I uh, yeah, so <laughs> I transferred into a different college at Cornell to arts and sciences. Mm-hmm. And, was, and did you have an idea of what you were at least were interested in? No, I had like six that I had. I was so excited because I was so excited I could take every class. So I had right, six. Psych 101. Yeah, I took Psych 101. I was a psych major. I was an anthropology major. I was a women's studies major. Oh, my I, uh I took one creative writing class, and I was not good. It was like, oh, I think I got a B minus. I was like a straight A student. How are you not good at no, creative writing? I'd never done it. I was bad. But I kind of feel like finding that professor and being like, fuck you, professor, because there's something wrong with you. you I do this for a living out. now. Yeah, I do it for a living. People pay I, don't, I can't remember creatively. what his name was, but he was not supportive. But wait, <laughs> how do you, I mean, that's a pretty wide open kind of I know. thing, right? I think I was, I think... I mean, I, I wish I, I wish I could remember what I wrote about. I just, I did, really didn't dig deep. I, mm-hmm. I think was was sure. Uh, were you, were you funny at, at this age? I was funny, so I started yeah. to be funny. It's easy not to. Dig I was deep always if you're kind of funny. Glib. Yeah, <laughs> but I, uh, junior year, I, I joined a theater company. Okay. Uh, so and we did comedies, and so as a performer, as a performer, uh, but we wrote stuff together mm-hmm. and. Um, so I joined this theater company, and there was like seven of us in this theater company, and that became my life and my world. Like I was obsessed with this theater company, and I got you know oh, I got the theater bug, mm-hmm. um, and I stayed for the summer between junior and senior year, and I did summer stock, and so as an actor. Mm-hmm. Did you, as part of this? I mean, you guys were writing your own stuff. We all, you were also putting on existing plays, I imagine. Uh, um, we did we did some existing plays, but we also did like I think I feel like our big thing that we did junior year that we thought was so brilliant was we did a stage adaptation of a Leave It to Beaver episode with mm-hmm. two gay dads, and I was Beaver, but I was like a psychotic girl Beaver, and there was you know, sure. you know the name was loaded, and <laughs> I think I had like an incestuous relationship with Ward. It was really, but we used all exactly the dialogue mm-hmm. from. From the show. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. So we were. We thought we were really brilliant. Now, I, I. I mean, I think still like we, people loved it. It was a big hit, Cornell. Well, that's funny. Like that does feel like the kind of thing that you see in these small theaters yes. here now. Yes. Like those. You're very ahead of your time. We were very ahead of our time. That's very funny. Um. So and then so then I graduated and I went to theater school in New York. Um, so, like, this really, it hit you hard. Like, you were all in. I was all in. Um, yeah. I was all Interesting. in. Um, and my parents, of course, were like, oh, God. And, <laughs> was it with an eye towards performing? Like, it was an you, eye toward performing. I still okay. hadn't written You didn't anything. know, you didn't, weren't no. interested in any other aspect no. of uh, theater? No. And then, but I had to have a minor. 
mm-hmm. at theater school. So I took playwriting as a minor. Okay. And so I remember I wrote my first scene, and I thought it was a dramatic scene, <laughs> and I brought it to class. It was like I can't remember what the exercise was, but I brought it to class, and two people read it out loud, and it turned out to be like this super hilarious comedy scene. Oh my God. <laughs> and I didn't realize it, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, you're so funny!" And I hadn't realized that it was a comedy. But then when I saw myself, it was like I, I saw myself kind of in a new light Mm -hmm. just because of like kind of that fluke thing um and then you know i broke uh, i was an actor so i i wasn't working (laughs) right uh i to make money i was an sat tutor oh the worst it was the worst worst. (laughs) i've done that too that is the worst it was the worst it was like (laughs) so it was really it was so demoralizing and i and also i did like tutoring for really rich kids for the high school entrance exams Mm -hmm. because uh, so <laughs> so anyway, um, meanwhile, like Scoop had moved out here and he was like rocking Hollywood. And my friend Will from uh, my theater company had moved out here and he was rocking Hollywood. And I was like, I would literally every morning I would get a bagel and cream cheese at the deli that was near my theater school. Uh-huh. And I would eat half for breakfast. Oh. And I would eat half for lunch. And that was... That was how I was very skinny, so that that really that worked <laughs> right. out. But uh, yeah, I don't even know what I did for dinner, and uh, I think I had no. We went out. We would go out, so we, I ate the diner mm-hmm. for dinner. <laughs> and then, oh and uh, it, but you know, it was great. It was like I had a great time. And sure, I was you're like, 22. You're living. Yeah, in I was New living York. a life. It was like amazing. And now that I look back on that, and it was so you know, I did a bunch of plays. Like there was all mm-hmm. the time I was in like six terrible plays at the same time, but I was in terrible plays and I was writing plays and I was going to see plays and it was all like creative and amazing. Mm-hmm. Then after a while, um, I started to worry about my future a little bit. <laughs> oh, also, I, you know what? I had my heart broken. That that also. Uh huh. You know what? <laughs> Let's face it. There's no bigger motivation for changing your entire Absolutely. life. Picking up. Uh, I had my heart broken. I packed my bags and like moved. Just I was like, you know what? I think I'll move to L.A. And two weeks later, really? I was in L.A. Or six weeks later, but I. Wow. Yeah, when I knew two people. Hmm. Uh, and it was like, thank God I hadn't thought about it because it was so impulsive. You know, I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have a job. There was a oh lot of logistical problems um, <laughs> that if I had had time to think, I never would have done it. Um, That's nuts. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. Um, let me ask you, I'm always yeah. curious um, to hear from people who came from both a performance and a theater background yes. about like... In performing and in even just immersing yourself in the theater at this school, um, what did you learn about storytelling? Hmm. I don't know. I can't really <laughs> answer that, what I learned about storytelling, but I did learn how to inhabit a character. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that more than anything, uh, I learned how to make characters very specific mm-hmm. and I can hear them when I write, mm-hmm. um, and um, I feel like being a TV writer taught me more about storytelling, honestly, because it's a totally different form. It's very interesting in structure. It's, it's very interesting in structure. Like yeah. my plays were uh, short, mm-hmm. and they didn't really have a lot of structure. Um, so, um, I mean, obviously, I learned about like. I learned some stuff about scenes. I, I mean, and it's hard to say 
what I learned because I think I absorbed a lot. Of course. More than I can articulate what yeah. it is. Um, but the thing about character yeah. is very interesting. Yes. I mean, do you, when you sit down to write, mm-hmm. is is writing these characters inhabiting them in the same way that performing them would be? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how do you get into that headspace? This is like deep process stuff, but yeah. how do you get into that mode? Um, <laughs> what is your process like? I ha- Well, I mean, I've just come off, you have to understand, writing 76 yes. episodes in four years. <laughs> I have no, there's no process anymore. I also I have, a, I have a small child. So, oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote, I mean, I wrote the pilot. I had a full. I wrote the pilot while I was full time on staff of Gossip Girl with a one and a half year old at home, and I so I just I have learned to not have a process. I, mm-hmm. I sit down <laughs> wherever I am. I like zoom in and I'm laser focused. I used to, and now like now I have a lot of time in my hands. So now my process. <laughs> but that's is only like very suddenly. <laughs> hating myself. And, <laughs> sure. Uh, Back to how it used to be. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. During my process, and mostly now, it involves a lot of like self loathing and. <laughs> snacks and uh, cleaning the desk area cleaning yeah. the desk area and and online shopping right uh, that is mostly my process but <laughs> I also do a lot of online shopping in general because that I, I give myself like a, every three pages oh I, you get a reward yeah I get a three reward. pages is generous I do yeah. like every scene okay, and every that's scene. like half a page I was, try, I was trying to sound better it's really every scene no please because then Facebook every is scene. in there too oh yeah so yeah like, Facebook and email exactly and actually if you get an email you can just stop everything if you yes, hear the ding for sure <laughs> sure um, that's, so, I think that's in the WGA rules. Yeah. So I've just, I've had to write so, so yeah. fast, um, so fast and furiously, which I think has given me, I mean, you know, I now, I did season one and season two, um, I would go to like four times a year, I would check into a hotel and I would write an episode really? in a, in a hotel room in a day and a half mm-hmm. and then spend Sunday afternoon with my daughter. And, uh, wow. Yeah. And then I didn't even need to check into the hotel for season four. I could just like literally do it within mm-hmm. spurts. I mean, you can turn it on. I can the, turn the it on. This show sort of trained you this, to yeah, do that. Yeah, and also it's like I know everyone in Bluebell like the back of my hand. Like, sure. So at this point, I can you know I can write them. <laughs> I know what they would say. I know everything about them. And so it's not like creating something from scratch, which I haven't done in so long. That I can't even tell you if yeah. I remember how to do it. No, it's hard to get back into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, after writing these characters that are become very real to you for yes. so long. Yes. And the voices are so yeah. easy. And yes. Yes. Yeah. So is that what you're faced with now? Oh, yeah. It's horrible. I mean, it's horrible. So I've been done for a month. Mm-hmm. I went and I and I have absolutely like I was like. I am not working. I'm not thinking. I'm right. not doing. I've been doing a, a brain a brain uh, yes. cleanse. <laughs> cleanse. I think I said cleanse wrong, but like I feel like it's all clogged in there. So I'm just filling it with other stuff to try to push it through. So I've seen every movie. I've read five <laughs> books. I've watched TV shows. Um, I went to London. I saw a bunch of theater. Um, but now it's been a month. No, nope. yeah. I've I've started like trickling into okay. <laughs> Time for the next big idea. Um, but yeah, and are you, I can't remember how to do it. 
And, and I apologize, I, I don't yeah. know this, but are you under a deal? Yeah. Are you uh, contracted anywhere <laughs> to do something? Or is this just, well, yeah. I need to pay my bills next year. So it's I not even that something. I need to pay my bills next year. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I right. really, like, I need to... Right. To have a purpose because, <laughs> because I've been so singularly focused for yeah. so singularly focused for four years. And uh, and it's great. It, it's actually extremely liberating to not be. But I have I, I have to find something I have to find something to do. <laughs> for something to do. I did sign up for a pizza making class. And uh, <laughs> is um, that true? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, where is that? that? That's Sir the Tom. Yes, right? Their yeah. classes are really good. I haven't been yet. It's next week. I'm very <laughs> oh, excited. Good. Have fun. <laughs> um, you also mentioned that you yes. signed up for and this I'm, Groundlings uh, yes. improv class. And I'm taking <laughs> improv at the Groundlings twice a week, which is three hours Monday and Wednesday. And it's um, it's given me something to tell Mondays and Wednesdays. I have class, and I, that takes the whole afternoon. But besides um, giving you something to do. Yeah, it's petrifying. Somewhere to be. It's petrifying. Yeah. Um, but I actually, I mean, I love it because it is making my brain work in a way that it has not worked. And I, I was, I was hoping yeah. it was going to, I mean, who knows, but <clears throat> I was hoping it's going to like snap me, snap me out of it because you can't think and you can't, you don't have time to hate yourself. You don't have time to online shop. You have to like commit, <laughs> you have to make a choice and mm-hmm. you have to, uh, do something. And I'm, I'm, I'm not good. It <laughs> turns out. <laughs> Turns out, not so good. You really laughed out of Groundlings. <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad way to get out of Groundlings. No, no I wish. I um, wish I could be laughed out of Groundlings. Um, it's so scary and it's so humbling. Hmm. Um, it's so humbling to not, you know, know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. uh, well, it's also this constantly constant new creation, right? Yeah. Which it seems like that's something you need right now. Yeah, yeah. Constant new choices. No, no yeah. time to filter. No time to think. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I recommend it. Also, I will say that, like, as a showrunner, um, improv is a very good skill to have because it's all about listening. And so it's all about, like, someone makes a choice hmm. to start a scene um, <clears throat> or you make a choice of how you think a scene is supposed to go. And someone comes in and you think, you know, you're in your own kitchen and they think you're in the kitchen <laughs> of a prison. Right. And suddenly it's a totally different scene and you have to go with it. You have to go with someone else's idea mm-hmm. um, and, you know, make the best of it. And that is, that's a, that's a tough skill. So maybe I would have been a better showrunner. <laughs> I would have had to do less, less myself had I uh, had that skill well, but it's, going in. I mean, yeah. we talk about this a lot on these, uh, on this podcast that showrunning is, is, a very difficult balance, and it's also a grueling job. Mm-hmm. Um, but the balance of you know what to what to give up, what to what to control, mm-hmm. you know where to collaborate, where to compromise. Um, how was that? Well, I, I want to take it back okay. a little bit. Yeah. And so, so you were on you were on Gossip Girl. I was on Gossip Girl, <clears throat> um, which seems like almost in your wheelhouse. <laughs> like it feels like the shows that you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be, again, based on Heart of Dixie and just talking about the OC and and uh, knowing you came from this other show, like it feels like you like sort of this softer, lighter 
yeah. uh, very character-based yeah. uh, sort of show where Gossip Girl could be very mean. Gossip Girl is very mean. And actually, like, I one day, I, I made a graph for Stephanie Savage, because Stephanie's, like, you know, a very good friend of mm-hmm. mine, of things I really thought we should do less of in Gossip Girl. Which oh, was wow. Like, which it became really, like, the <laughs> guideline for her Dixie, but le- less awesome. punching, no guns, <laughs> less... Less people betraying each other. Right. <laughs> like, I, I think I, I made it for her as like a cheat sheet for for the people she was interviewing to come in, and I was like, "Tell the people we don't we want less. We don't want people like punching. We right. want people like kissing." Sure. <laughs> I think, and I mean, again, you know, you're you're yeah. preaching to the choir. This is the kind of show I love, where it's yeah, let's hug instead of yeah. a fight. Yeah. Uh, like it's all Northern yeah. Exposure and Gilmore Girls and yeah. that stuff. Um, but, so, uh, how was your experience on the show? I mean, it seems like it was not a bad one, despite it not being exactly in your, your parameters of what you're interested in. Oh, yeah. Gossip Girl, I mean, it was it was family. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it, we, we had a really small room. It was very intense. Um, but, you know, it was like, uh, and, you know, I loved it. I love Stephanie, and I love all the writers, and we're all very mm-hmm. close. Um, it, it, it's hard to be like in a world where people are constantly sure to be in a brain space where people are constantly betraying each other and doing um, unkind things. So yeah. Bluebell kind of came mm-hmm. out of like, how do I, if I'm going to go to work and then go home and see my daughter and then work on something at night, I needed to create a completely opposite uh, brain place. Oh, here. interesting. So that's um, what it was. It was yeah, so, so the in, and that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh, for the tone of of Heart of Dixie. Um, what was as far as the nuts and bolts of it? Like, mm-hmm. how did the characters start to appear um, to you? How did you start to figure out the inhabitants of this town? Um, okay, well, the show it started with the town. It started mm-hmm. with I wanted to do a small town show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it became a southern town because uh, the BP oil spill had just happened, and there was a lot of stories about these like sweet places in the south. That mm-hmm. everyone was, you know, working together and washing the oil off the mm-hmm. birds, and um, and uh, there was something so nice about thinking about a small town where everyone took care of each other as the opposite to the Upper East Side, where everyone was right. not. So that was that, and, and the South. And then the character, like the initial version of the show, it was a legal show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, her name was like Dr. Zoe Green, and she was essentially Lila Gerstein, a uh, lawyer uh, <laughs> in the South. And it was very, uh, it was very... Um, it was a, it was a very different show tonally in that like in, in that like self righteous Lila Gerstein went to the south and kind of they taught her something but she also taught them something and um, uh, George Tucker was gonna was the prosecutor and oh wow yeah the, so that's really funny yeah so uh, wait and how did why was it a legal show. It was a legal show because that was the show. I, re- I worked on Eli Stone, and oh, so right. I had a legal, but like. <laughs> so you felt like you could. I felt use like that. that was like a procedural I could do. Okay. Uh, so it was a legal show, but mm-hmm. then the CW bought a legal show, uh, and we were doing it only for the CW. Like oh, I was okay. like, so uh, in the middle they brought a bought a format, like so we have a legal show. We you know what we really need a medical show. <laughs> 
it's so it's so cynical, but like clearly it worked. Yeah, I mean, thank God, because I don't think that that the legal yeah. it was such a different show. Um, it was such a different show, actually. Sure. Even though it was the same, similar characters and the same, it, the tone of it, mm-hmm. making her a doctor and giving her. It really became made her because you know what there isn't actually a franchise in mm-hmm. a small town medicine. Yeah, uh, or there wasn't a franchise anyway that we could afford because season one we couldn't even afford like a sick people. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, you again? <laughs> so we couldn't. I guess it's measles this time. Yeah. So as our series regulars were constantly getting sick. Right. <laughs> Stabbed by their own crossbows and whatever because we didn't have a budget to have. That's ridiculous. (laughs) How did this show get made? Uh, Well, um, um, yeah. That's sort of a broad question. (laughs) uh, We made it for, I I believe, the lowest amount of money that any network show has ever been. I mean, I, I think that's probably pretty clear but the most amount of money that any network show has ever been made for and like we have a lower budget than than you know most cable shows because there's no rebate we shot in Mm -hmm. la um so it was also very expensive because we shot in la so then what we had extra money for we never ever left the warner brothers lot yeah we did not we left we left once for the season two uh, finale and it was like the biggest we didn't have a transportation department like we didn't have we we had to hire uh, a locations. Sure. Uh, we have a locations person who only dealt with Warner Brothers. Right. We had to hire. He was like going crazy. <laughs> uh, we had to hire. If we have to leave yeah. the lot, then I have yeah. to bring in another yeah, guy. Yeah, we have to bring another guy. <laughs> we left for like two days. And That's it was, insane. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> um, were these limitations? Did you find a way to make them strength? Um, I mean. Season three, we did get money for more sure. guests. I, season but three, those I went first in two and seasons. the first two. Se- I mean, I think we played. I mean, we played one secret and one love triangle mm-hmm. for two seasons. <laughs> I, I yeah. you know, and it was you know, we could bring in like one love interest essentially at a time because <laughs> we had enough for I think two. We had like budgeted two guest stars. So wow. Um, so it did. I mean, we. I, I think it was. I mean, it re- we really milked <laughs> that love triangle. We played every iteration of mm-hmm. the same story, and I, I, it was you know an exercise really in how to tell a story, yeah. one story, in the in the most interesting ish, slowest possible way because that's what we had to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but was that? I mean, how big was your room? Let me let me ask you that in those first couple seasons. Um, it, about six or seven. Okay, so a reasonable size. Yeah. Was that frustrating to you all, having to spin out the same story? Or uh, I can see how it could also be freeing. Of like, we know we know what we're doing. We know yes. what the story well, is, but yeah. it's just finding the angles. I think there's always, like, it was like, it, particularly in season one, it was, um, I, we knew where we were going. Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of built into the premise of the pilot, what the season one finale was going to be. So I always knew where we were going. So it was a matter of stretching it out exactly right for 22. And there's like, you know. I forgot it was 22 that first season, too. Yeah, every season except for the last one has been 22. So it's a lot. It's a lot. So there's like, you know, a middle chunk. (laughs) There's always a a middle chunk where you're trying. You have to like create a new engine and 
Um, but I feel like, you know, the last six of season one, like we were on a train. Mm-hmm. When you're on a train and you know where you're going and like it was just about parsing it out and we made some some really great writers season one. And so we and we made some, I think, good choices, I think. And we ended at least we ended season one with such a big cliffhanger mm-hmm. that uh, that drove us through the first six episodes of season two. That's great. No, that's awesome. If <laughs> yeah. you can find that engine, yeah, if you can find the story that... starts to tell you where it wants to exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, <clears throat> oh my goodness, I don't even remember what happened in season two. But um, oh yeah, and then season two. So season two is interesting, and you know, I think uh, because we were always. It, we we didn't really know where we were going in season two. In season two, um, uh, became the season of Zoe and Wade, and it was you know we're about six episodes ahead of production, mm-hmm. uh, five or six, and then That's once, not a lot. and then <laughs> but yeah, and, but then because then we shoot our, we turn around every seven days and no hiatuses. Wow. So by. So we're like, let's say we're five ahead. We have two scripts written and three outlines by the time we start. But it is taking us eight or nine days to break an episode. And oh, wow. we shoot every seven days. <laughs> yeah, so they're catching up to you. <laughs> so they catch up. So it becomes like this crazy math problem where you blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But every time um, we started to see Zoe and Wade together, and they were, it was so dynamic. And there was hmm. the two of them. Um, we were going to only give them a few episodes, um, but we let it, we let it go a very long time because they were so cute and they Mm -hmm. were instantly giving us stories. Um, and so, uh, so we let that go a lot. So we ended up really reshaping, uh, Hmm. yeah. And we really started like, so that was like, really, we flew by the seat of our pants a little bit on that, but then, you know, and then we had to pull back because because when you're doing 22 episodes a year and you don't know when you're going to end, the scariest thing in the world is a happy couple. Um, so let me interrupt you yes. here for a sec. Great. So kind of going through the season and mm-hmm. not really following a plan, but kind of seeing where things took you guys, mm-hmm. it must have been as much pressure and as panicked as it could have been because of the production schedule. Yes. It must have also been really a lot of fun for the writers. No. It's, really? <laughs> it's not... I don't. I can't even. No, it was not. It's so really? scary. It's so. We did not know where we were going, and uh, and we were going. As a matter of fact, season two, we really thought we were going one way, and then we stopped the train and we shifted. Uh-huh. We had, we were writing toward a season finale. That I had no idea what it was going to be, and and then we and so I was, I was really stressed out, and it just it gets more stressful, like throughout the season because you start you have all this luxury of all this time and then yeah and then you know if you sit in the room and you're banging your head against a table for four days or you go down one path and then you break a story and um and at the end of the day i look at it you know there's sometimes where you think it's going great and then you look at it on paper you're like oh my god we cannot do this. This is, I don't know what we were thinking. This is crazy. Um, and, and then you have like three days to two days, one day to re-break a whole thing and get the script already. So, wow. you know, and the train is just never going to stop. Absolutely. So it, it was, uh, 
Yeah, season two, I feel like season two and three were were were, 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 were way harder for the writers than one and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's because there was just no plan. And there's also, I mean, no. It's not a procedural, you know. There's no. Yeah. There's nothing to hang. It right. On. There's not. Right. Almost. There's yes. no sci-fi element. There's no. no genre. There's no. Yeah. And I made the decision season three because having come from those and Gossip Girl, which both got, um, which I you know I totally respect and I understand, mm-hmm. got soapier for season sure. three because you make some cre- because that season is the scariest season in the assumption that you're doing four or five seasons. Season three is like right. Is like either something super soapy has to happen and take you off course for a right. year, or you're in a, essentially in a holding pattern yeah. for a year. You're not um, spinning into an ending, and you're, you're not, not. You're not. It's not worth, bright and new and right. shiny. Right. Um, but I will say, I mean, just to that point, so we don't have to cut that mm-hmm. out. That like, I feel like every show does this. Is the, the characters become it. cartoony? Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, like I'm watching Modern Family right now, and yeah. they're just a bunch of cartoons yelling at each other. Yeah. Yeah. So we went the car- a little bit the cartoony way of season three, which is like I was like, we're just gonna do. A, a, you know, comic. We're gonna go mm-hmm. in the. We're gonna go broader rather than soapier. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel like you have to do one or the other. Well, the, and yeah. and the show gets away with that because yeah. there's so much heart and there's so much warmth to it that yeah. like we can do these big comic pieces. Yeah. So we brought on a new boyfriend for Zoe uh, in season three, Joel, who is very controversial because he <laughs> because he wasn't Wade and everyone wanted right. Zoe to be with Wade and. People wanted to, like, kill me. Um, but Joel came and was, like, a whole new comedy engine mm-hmm. for the show because he was a new fish out of water. And it let us tell different versions of fish out of water stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, you know, we were able to make some of our uh, bluebellions come front and center. And we told a lot, you know, some more uh, wackier stories. Um, uh, and coming back, you know, always to to the romantic comedy that the show was. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, and then, uh, uh, you know, and uh, so, so, I don't know where it was going. <laughs> uh, let me, I want to, I want to stop you Great. there for a second. Um, and, and kind of pick up uh, in the creation of the show again, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you've talked to, to uh, you know, to death over the years, but, I'm curious about, like, once it was started to be developed as a medical show. Yes. Once that change was made, and uh, what was the development process like from that? I mean, you were doing it for the CW. You you knew where the show was going to live. I knew where the show was going to live. So that kind of gives you certain targets to hit, I would imagine. It does. And it was, you know, it was different administration at the Mm -hmm. CW. That that was uh, the last year of Dawn. So, Mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean the pilot. We knew what we had to hit for the pilot for to 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 appease both Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and the CW. Um, um, we did, you know. Uh, so we had family issues. She had issues with her mother. She found out this big secret about her father. She had a distant and cold father. Um. Um, so what was the, so, I mean, I knew how to write a CW show, Stephanie, Mm -hmm. Josh and Lynn knew how to write a CW show. It was, um, um, but ultimately I would say that the pilot of the show was not the show Mm -hmm. that I wanted to 
to do. It's mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it's really. Um, I mean, uh, the the script of the show was much funnier. Hmm. Um, was much more comic, and then we had to do uh, a pilot presentation. So we ended up cutting oh, a right. big chunk out. Um, but of course, like the pilot presentation ended up being if. It, it, I think it was 42 minutes long, right. so it, it, we just aired the entire pilot presentation. I don't think we did any reshoots. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, again, no money. But, I was going to uh, say, like, <laughs> if they're calling it a pilot presentation, you must have had no money to shoot that. No, Yeah, no money. <laughs> no money. Crazy. North Carolina, no money. Uh-huh. Um, no money. It rained every day. It was like... Uh, no money. <laughs> no money. Um, and, you know, a pilot presentation, I think, is supposed to be half the length, but right. we all knew it was a quote-unquote pilot presentation, but we were gonna, supposed to do it. It was implicit. It, yeah, it was understood. We were doing, it was understood that we would be doing, that there's not going to be money to add on. Wow. Um, yeah, so we went to North Carolina. Well, first we cast it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was that process like? Uh well, it was, you know, it was an interesting, it was really interesting casting. I'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. I, I've never done, like, anything before <laughs> because I was just a writer. So, well, and yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of the thing. Yeah. You're you thrown just, like, into this thrown, and you're learning it. Thrown right in. Uh, so um, Rachel became attached shortly after the pickup, and, and, and that was with her connection to Josh. Josh did oh, okay. that. Um, and was that discussed during the... Scripting no. phase? No. It only we never became. talked about Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love Rachel, and obviously it is like the greatest blessing of the show that I had Rachel. And, um, but so th- so that was very lucky. We had sure. our Zoe Hart That's great. right away. Um, uh, it did change a little bit the medical nature of the show, but you know, we can come back and talk mm-hmm. about that. Then um, uh, we cast, we, you see like different, every part on the first day. They bring in like two or three people for every part. So yeah. it's petrifying. <laughs> it's so weird to see your lines being inhabited. And uh-huh. um, and the second person um, that we ever saw was Wilson Bethel. Who came into? He was the first person to read for Wade, and all the ladies like he left the room, and uh, the casting director Molly Lapada and me and Stephanie were purple, like we had all oh my god blushed. He had six lines, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is incredible. But we can't just you know make a holding deal with the first actor we ever we saw. We can't do that, and. Molly and Stephanie were like, no, that's exactly what you do. When you feel this strongly, so nice. we cast Wilson, like, almost, oh, I feel like almost right away. Yeah. Um, Lemon was nearly impossible to find. Why? We, uh, well, a couple of people we wanted we could not get, and then um, and people came in and played it really arch and really bitchy. Mm. And um, kind of knowing... Where the show was going to go, I knew that the show lay in the relationship between these two women in some way, and that they were each going to change, and that we had to find the heart and vulnerability um, in Lemon, um, and 
and Jamie was like an, an offer only actor, which there are, you know, a certain caliber of actor that don't come in and read. So you have to like look at your tape, uh, <laughs> look at tape yeah. and kind of guess if they can do it. Um, but she exuded this like perfect amount of coldness and vulnerability at the same time. Um, and it was, I, I think, I feel like we cast her like the day before we, uh, she became available. I think she was, she was in something else. And finally she said she would do her Dixie. And so that, that was very, well, I mean, the, leading up to your pilot's the most stressful time. Sure. So we cast her late. Um, we also saw a bazillion, a bazillion George Tuckers, mm-hmm. like, I feel like 10 a day. <laughs> Every, and there was a lot of actors, um. You know, that we you had seen in a million things and people came in and I just like no one, no one felt right for George Tucker because it was such a tr- tricky part. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that uh, he was, I knew that this show, because people didn't necessarily know it at the time, but I knew this show was going to be a comedy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> sure, uh, so you're looking for someone who can yeah. and so I was that, trying, do that lightness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew the show was going to be a comedy and like in the... Sides really only Levon had mm-hmm. funny things to say, uh, so we had to look for this lightness. And um, uh, Scott Porter was available and uh, offer only, and I was a crazy, 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 crazy uh, Friday Night Lights <laughs> fan. Like I have an East Dillon sweatshirt that I secretly wear at my house. Awesome, <laughs> yeah, that is great. <laughs> um, but uh, it was um, a other people didn't necessarily see that he had this light sure. and comic timing, and neither did I, really. But I saw, um, <clears throat> but Molly, I think it was Molly, our casting director, sent me this video, which was him. It was a YouTube video of he's just singing a song to a, a girl, and uh, he's got, he like exuded this charm That's and amazing. magnetism and like romantic. Mm-hmm. Lightness, like I could, I could see it in there, uh, and I was like, "This, this is our guy." Um, so we begged and cajoled, and we got him to come in for a meeting, um, which Josh, Len, Stephanie were were so embarrassed about how I behaved at the meeting <laughs> because I was what like did you trying, <laughs> I was trying to be cool. <laughs> I'm trying not to show how big fan I was. Oh my god! And uh, I think, well, I said his name, his whole name, like fifteen times in the meeting. Oh, you Jordan Catalano and him. I was like, you Scott Porter will be funny. I'm going to show you the world that you can be funny, Scott Porter. You Scott Porter, and so like everyone called him you Scott Porter like, to me. Um, and somehow it was not me. I think it was really the charms of Josh Schwartz. Somehow. <laughs> Uh, he signed on to do this, and that was very lucky. And uh, and and also, he was like he was testing for, I think it was revenge. And so he was in the parking lot before his uh, his test deal for revenge. And he was about to go in, and we had to close our deal. Oh yeah! Before he walked in the door, that's and, crazy. <laughs> oh, because it, it becomes the situation where yeah, it becomes competitive for mm-hmm. one guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but I, I'm just curious, and this is a little off the writing topic, but yeah. it's certainly on the showmaking topic. Sure. Um, when you're looking for, when you're reading 10 actors a day, yeah. you know, for this one role, yeah. 
What is your advice for dealing with that? When do you give up and say, this guy's good enough? Or do you not do that? I think you don't do that. I think for for a role that's, for an important role, you don't do Mm -hmm. that. For guest stars, however, (laughs) when you're looking at this, that you've got to, you know, that's when you have to, you have to say, there was uh, many, many, many times where we were shooting like a seven episode arc the next day and we had no one the day before. And we had to be like, you have to make a decision (laughs) because someone's got to get on a plane and get into a fitting and work at 7 a.m. And so you have to kind of take, Mm -hmm. take a leap. Um, and also it helps to have a casting director that you really sure. trust. Um, and it helps to like know other people that the person has worked with and seen them <laughs> right. and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I think you have to hold out for the right person mm-hmm. if it's an important role. Cause that's, that's your show. You're, you're left with them forever and ever and ever a series regular, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's not a show where you kill people off. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my other question about kind of the show starting to take shape is clearly you knew that this was going to be a romantic comedy. Yes. Um, but a romantic comedy on TV is a much different thing from the closed-ended yes. romantic comedy Correct. film. Yes. Um, it's a much harder thing. Like you say, yes. you're starting, you have to find every angle on the story. Right. Um, so how did you guys, you and the writers, grapple with that? Um, and, and it's so it's such an impossible task because it's, they don't ever say you're going to do 76 episodes. Right. Because if if on day one I had known I was going to do 76 episodes, you could have figured out what the middle of your beginning, middle, mm-hmm. and end of your story is. So it is almost like it's an impossible task. Um, so um, we tried to look at things in uh, mini mini arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, we would start with like 10 and that would get too hard. <laughs> so we would go, go yep, to four. That's unnatural. <laughs> yeah. We would go to four. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the really hard thing with doing romantic comedy and, um, is that we, you have to move it. Like you have to keep it interesting and tease it enough and keep saying, uh, and keep hope alive and keep conflicts. Yeah. So like what I don't like as a viewer is I don't like people getting together and breaking up and getting together and breaking up. Like, right. Um, and yes, I did do that, <laughs> but I did it, but I did it less than I feel like I could mm-hmm. have. And, um, um, you can play that for so long. You can I, play I that like. in so long. And in truth, like the central couple of the show, Zoe and Wade, which they didn't start out even as a central couple because the central couple was Zoe and George. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, Zoe and we let's got together in season two. They were a part all of season three until the very, very end, in which she, in which she um, confessed her feelings. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then season four will be will be. You know, reaching toward the conclusion of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that must have been, right. going from one to two, going from George to Wade must have been, like, exciting for you guys. Yes. Like, oh, we've played the story out, and now this is an even yes. more exciting story because yes. it's clicking in a way yes. this other one didn't. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, so the beginning of season two was very exciting for us. Like, Zoe and Wade were sure. very exciting. Also, because it's so much more fun to write Sam and Diane. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then, um, you know, then to write Sam and Sam or Diane and Diane. 
um, because they're they're constantly <laughs> butting heads. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. You get your conflict yeah. in every scene. You get your conflict in every single scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but so, so in stringing out the romantic story yeah. and not having an ending in sight, yes. <laughs> where do you go? I mean, luckily you've inhabited, you've, you've, uh, peopled this town with interesting characters. So you can, you have exciting and fun B stories and C stories yes. going on. Um, yeah, and we also kind of chose to play we play some of the friendships in romantic comedy mm-hmm. stories like we because there are only six uh six six uh series regulars seven when annabeth um joined the, as the series mm-hmm. regular but we play friendships we we give them the arc of like they're best friends and then there's a problem and then they have a problem and then they make up and we play that and we play uh the parent-child relationships mm-hmm. in, um, oh my gosh, I don't even know how I did it. <laughs> um, and, you know, we do a lot of town events. <laughs> we, there's a lot of talent shows and right. pioneer days. And well, I remember uh, one of the first times I talked to Jane Espenson on here and we talked mm-hmm. about Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. and it was like, those things become the procedural to the show. Yeah. It's like, it's another Harvest Festival. We have 16 of these yeah. a year. I mean, and this is like, I also stole this a little bit from Gossip Girl, but this becomes like, this. that does become your procedure. There's going to be an sure. event in season, in, in uh, Act 3. Right. And and OC yeah. did this really yeah. well too. OC I did mean, this really well. There's an they event had a party in Act classic, Three. Classic, <laughs> yeah, classic OC Gossip Girl. There's a, there's an Act Three party, and the stakes are super high for Lemon. But in Act Two, oh no, right. there's a problem, and so she's got to fix the problem at the party or before the party or mm-hmm. during the party or blah blah blah. And then there's a resolution. But it's um, interesting to me. I mean, I feel like you, as the creator of the show, and your writers must have known, like, these those trappings don't really matter. It's about the moves the character is going through. Yes. And the audience probably doesn't care either. They just want to see their characters going through these moves. Yeah. But I wonder if you got the kind of notes that you got on on these scripts. Where, was it more like... Make that party more important. What are the stakes? Yeah, well, it's really... Because stakes is a tough thing to talk about. I have to say it's very interesting because having come from television shows where there were way higher stakes and um, it's really ingrained in me. And uh, and a lot of, like, the asshole who was saying that you have to do those things with me... (laughs) And like, really? yeah. And then at the end of the day, like, I would say, well, how is this important? And, you know, and uh, we did do six, almost always we did six hard act outs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and do you want to talk about what that means just for a second? For yes. A, an act out is, you know, right before the commercial, you're, you end on an uh oh or a whoops or mm-hmm. a, oh, <laughs> what will Zoe do now? <laughs> we ended like almost every act went off Zoe, Zoe, oi. You know, like off Zoe, a joinks off Zoe. What's going to happen next? Right. Um, in a shit heap of trouble. Um, uh, which is also yeah. So we ended up, you know, like to give story engines like poor, 
Rachel and poor Zoe like just ended up most of our story engine was she wants to do something and then she steps in it and she does something mm-hmm. really stupid or you know she tries to go on a date and she can't get it together and um, she she did make a lot of really uh, you know to get to get through six acts you you yeah. I don't think that the audience would go along for the journey of like I have a date in Act Four. And Act One, Two, and Three, I'm getting ready for my date. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like also, six acts is like one act too many. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it's so one act too many. It's really two acts too many. Yeah. It really is. Uh, so you kind of have to just to keep 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 the keep the story moving. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to be like, okay, in Act One she gets a date, and in Act Two she gets a rash all over her face, and then you know in Act Three she has to f- try to figure out how to get. This never happened on the show. (laughs) (laughs) By way of example. By way of example. uh, It turns out that the only way to get rid of the rash is to go to Wade's house. And (laughs) he's got the antidote for the rash and she's trying to avoid Wade or, you know, that would be like a classic way that we have to. (laughs) That was the worst heart of Dixie fanfic (laughs) I've ever heard. (laughs) You remember the rash episode? The rash episode. Um, But yeah, so you do. And um, in terms of notes, I would say... And I think I think I have no idea because it's the first te- television show mm-hmm. that I've ever run. But um, season one, everyone there were so many notes, and yeah. everyone was really hard on us. And uh, Zoe had to learn a lesson every episode. I wondered about that. If yeah, you that know, was like a major. The, that was the tenor of the notes. Yeah, that was a major thing that had to happen. Um, Where do you think that came from? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think you know that's. That was how they saw the show is like this fucked up New Yorkers doesn't understand and she has to learn a lesson, which mm-hmm. is kind of the premise of the show. But she didn't have to learn a lesson right. every, every single week. It was like a lesson of the week show. Right. Uh, and then a at some point I was like, guys, seriously, like there are no lessons. There are no lessons left. She's yeah. she's learned. To she lives 13, here now. <laughs> Thirteen lessons. <laughs> I don't know how many there are left to tell. And and sure. um, um, and also, you know, I think everyone's really nervous about everything before the show airs. Right. There's so much scrutiny on everything. Like, and you and you have. We do a three-step process where we hand in a story arena and an outline mm-hmm. and a script and a cut. So really for yeah. and each one, you get notes from the studio yes. and the network. And this is part of the, the course yeah. for CW, I should say. Yes. For like all the CW writers all we've the, had on here have yes. mentioned that. Uh, so you're on six hours of notes per script, yeah. at least. Uh, it, and it's, it's, it's grueling. Um, but that and in said, a first season show, in that's a first even season, more. Yeah, um, I will say that that they were have they were very supportive. Like the mm-hmm. people that I had uh, were really supportive of the show, and particularly you know after it kind of I would say found its way toward the end of season one. I think everyone was so happy with the end of season one mm-hmm. that no, they really left me alone for the rest of the. What do you think it was that? made you and the show able to find its way? Um, well, we stopped doing Lesson <laughs> right. Week. I also, I, pretty quickly, we stopped doing any real medicine. Mm-hmm. Real medicine was not our forte. Um, and it just, <laughs> You say that like that's been told to you. <laughs> it has. It has. Uh, I mean, you know, um, 
yeah, there's a big medical story in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's big and it's super soapy. Um, and I'm a little embarrassed of it now. Oh. And, uh, and the critics were really, really mean. Like, they, really? It, it was really. And so, you know, we had been doing it for a long time before mm-hmm. the critics came out. Um, and, um, oh my God, it was my anniversary. And I was with my husband. <laughs> And uh, the and the phone I had a I had I, I got rid of it right after that, but I had a horror Dixie alert on my phone. Uh-huh. Like, this is so oh, exciting! No. People are writing about the show. Yeah, and uh, we went to we like went took a day trip. We went to the L.A. County Fair, mm-hmm. and every five minutes there was like, a new oh, of course a new horrible me you know. <laughs> Um, but it also it seems worse. like that's that's not the aspect of the show that you were interested in telling. No, no it wasn't. It was not. Um, so it only made sense to move away from it. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also, like, it had always been, people were very quick to think that I was writing, um, like, a negative... Uh, view of the South, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't had never been yeah. my intention, had never been my intention to depict a real town or the real South. Right. Uh, I feel like that's people not watching the show yeah. might say that. Like, uh, th- those are the ads you see. <laughs> yeah, um, and the, and the ad, I feel like the the marketing campaign mm-hmm. and the show are very very different. Sure. Like the, so. Um, but anyway, the yeah, show, that's a hard thing, and you have so no control over. There's, it. there's something I have no control over, yeah. and the show is really it's the Gilmore Girls in the South. I mean, right. it's it's a bunch of of lo- lovable coops <laughs> who live in a little town who all love each other and help each other out. Right, and um, you know, and there's romantic comedy as well. Um, so no, I can't remember. What so the so you was. guys between the medical thing, between losing the lessons, you guys, yes. you sort of found. Yeah, what and the we show had like that really good kind of engine toward the end of season one. In that we had this secret that Lemon um, had been having an affair with Levon, and which we had known the whole season. We had known since the first episode, oh, but George Tucker did not know, and so George hmm. Tucker finally found out about the secret, and George and Zoe were in love and Wade was in love with Zoe and so it's all kind of came to like this fever pitch and we got a lot of there was a lot of story Mm -hmm. I'll just say there was a great (laughs) amount of story for those 16 through 22 Um, we knew it was just on a roll Mm -hmm. but also it was funny and also it was in that was a very uh, George you really felt for George um also, I think within those episodes, George's dad um, had uh, oh, George's dad had a heart attack, and Zoe's father was the greatest heart surgeon in the world. So she had to bring in. So she ended up saving his father, and he was really grateful. So all the triangles were kind of at play. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exciting. That's and it was a, exciting a fun and fun. Time, a fun and, thing to write. Too. Yeah, and then you know we got to do like this. Season one finale, we got to do this crazy, wacky wedding um, where I think, like, the premise of is that Tom Long, who's one of the uh, Bluebellians, has a pain in his knee, and that means it's going to rain. So they're doing an outdoor wedding, so he tells LaVon, and LaVon has to tell George to call off his wedding, but George knows that LaVon had an affair with Lemon. So it was all, it was kind of a mix of soap and crazy and funny and... um, 
and sexy because there is this, you know, Zoe and Wade got caught in the barn in the rain. And um, and so, you know, I, I think that that finale was very successful for us. And, uh, and uh, you know, everyone loved it. And then we moved on to season... And we knew we knew there was going to be a season two. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how we just knew, but we did know that there was going to be a season two. Okay. Well, that's inside, very freeing too. Which is very freeing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think I guess we didn't. Know, no, I retract that. We did not know there was going to be a season two, but we knew after season two there was going to be a season three. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but we built to this big cliffhanger because mm-hmm. why not? That's what you do in the season one. <laughs> um, <laughs> You don't care at that moment. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and then and then I was pretty much you know starting in season two, free. You know, besides the extreme, extreme, extreme constraints of having four dollars to do so, right. to do to do what I wanted to do. Um, and. Let me let me uh, ask you just briefly, and then I want to mm. talk about kind of coming in for the last season. Um, how did you how did you run the room? How did the room work? Um, like, how did scripts get broken? How did ideas get pitched? What was I mean? You talked about how the schedule sort of stretched out. Um, well, we like because I have a little girl. I actually think that so I liked to wrap the room at five thirty, mm-hmm. but it made made room time very stressful because we sure. wa- I, we had to. There wasn't a lot of go- we didn't do a lot of goofing around. Um, we wrote on a dry erase board and, um, it kind of changed. I had different writers every season. Um, I had, um, so every season kind of worked a little bit differently. Um, but we, you know, sat around a table and we ate snacks and we pasted, we wrote things on the board and then... Um, then we broke it A story, B story, C story. And then, I mean, in an ideal world, you have an A story, B story, C story, and then you weave them together in the room and then someone goes off and writes an outline. Mm -hmm. Did you come Um, in at the beginning of seasons with stuff you wanted to hit? Um, we had to write a Bible. So Mm -hmm. there was stuff, every season there was stuff I wanted to hit, Mm -hmm. um, which made for very shitty hiatuses because... Um, I also had to pitch the next season to the network for the pickup. So I had to pitch season two. Um, wow. Uh, and I had to pitch, I, I think there was one season I did not have to pitch, but I had to pitch season one, season two, and season four. No kidding. Yeah. I had to come in and kind of do a sales pitch for the pickup. Uh, and how thorough did those have to be? Um, and how much did you actually stick to them? Season one, it was very thorough. Thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had to pitch the back nine. I had to pitch oh, wow. the first 13, and then I had to pitch the back nine. So I feel like I had to do a twist, and I had to go into Warner Brothers and then into yeah. the network. See, I didn't have to go into Warner Brothers after after season one because I had um, them on my team. But um, <laughs> then season two, it was, yeah, you had to say, I, I think I did like a paragraph about what was going to happen for each character. Okay. Uh, and I stuck to it a little bit. Okay. But it's at least good going in with that yeah. roadmap. Let me ask just about going into this, this season. Yeah. Um, how many episodes? Ten. And when does it begin? I highly recommend ten episodes. I bet. 
That's a complete story. Yes. Right? You don't have to tread water in there. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, Do you know when the premiere is? I do. Our time slot will be Fridays uh, at 8, starting on January 9th. Did you have the same writing staff as last year? I had an entirely new writing staff Are you kidding me? For the last 10 episodes? Well, it was really hard because um, 10 episodes, you know, the writer would get paid by the episode. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. I lost, um, the, uh, there was going to be some changes anyway, but I lost my number, but I felt like 10 episodes I had a number two who I really loved. Um, and I was like, ugh, really tried five. It's not a big deal. Who cares? Uh, and then I lost him yeah. because of money. And so that was really terrible. Uh, but I loved my season four writers. Right. It was like, I, you know, it's really hard to find writers and to do it right. And I did it right. And um, they were amazing. It must and, have been really interesting for you getting new voices in the show, too. Yeah, and it was great. I mean, there was a lot of catch-up, you know, sure. and there was a lot of, oh, please don't pitch the story that... <clears throat> right. <laughs> oh, listen, I worked on a season seven show. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so... But they were great, and... Um, and also, just ten episodes. It was so it was mm-hmm. so freeing. Like every, there was so much to tell. Yeah, um, there was so much to tell, and and um, you know we don't know the future of the show, but we essentially decided to to finish all the stories that we have started to sure. tell. Uh, we are you know we are drawing to a big conclusion on everything that has started. Um, so we knew we knew. Um, where we're, where we're going. Mm-hmm. Did you know, even uh, coming into the season, like, have you always had an end point in mind for this show? No. And I will say that the end point um, is really, 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 really different. Yeah. I will speak freely. <laughs> Please speak freely. That uh, Rachel Bilson is pregnant. So um, Jamie King was pregnant season three, and it was it was very hard to hide a pregnancy. And when I found out that, and that this is also, you know, when Rachel said she told me she was pregnant during hiatus, it was clear we were not going to be able to do a full season. There's no show. There's no Heart of Dixie without Zoe Hart. Right. Um, and it ended up creatively being this amazing thing because having the character of Zoe Hart be pregnant and find she finds out at the end of the first episode that she's pregnant um, kind of was a complete game changer. And it was a complete wow. uh, game changer for Zoe and Wade because we ended up just putting them together way earlier than we would have. And it became a story of them. as The season becomes a story of them as a couple. Um, That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's a really fun, new but familiar thing yes. to get to write. Yes. And um, and because of that, you know, uh, there were some things that I knew, but I didn't know. I had a lot of, you know, writer angst because I really wanted the finale to be good and satisfying. And I wanted, you know, all the minor characters even to, mm-hmm. like, get their moment and to get their happy endings. And, um we saved up all our money. We saved up a lot of money for that finale. The finale is really expensive for That's us. Awesome. Um, and I love the finale, and I think it's going to be really satisfying and really surprising. And um, so I'm very excited about it. Cool. I'm, I 
can't wait to see it. I'm sure everyone can't wait to see it, uh, <laughs> viewers of the show. Um, let us just wrap up. So you started by saying you have some time. You yes. <laughs> had a month where <laughs> you got to catch up on watching things, on reading mm-hmm. things, on uh, going to the theater. What have you seen or watched that you are excited or inspired by? Um, I love Orange is the New Black. Correct. Um, <laughs> correct. Uh, I love Getting On. That HBO show right. that takes place in um, mm-hmm. uh, the, like the hospital for the seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, um, um, I saw an amazing uh, show in London called Here Lies Love, which is David Byrne musical about yes. Imelda Marcos. Which was, <laughs> I heard it's fantastic. It's like a life changing theater experience. Yeah. Um, these are good answers. These are good. Good Thanks. job. Are Thanks. these? Oh, uh, and I'm listening to Serial. Sure, of course. Whatever. Who, of course. Who do you think did it? Yeah, I think you did it. No. I've been <laughs> here the whole time. Uh, oh, in '99. I don't right. know, and I just hope that we find out. Thank you so much for being here. Thank this was a delight. So Will you come back and talk to us again? Of course. I've said everything that they're remotely. Now leaving Nerdist.com.